The following audio is from Christian Heritage Church. More information about Christian Heritage Church is available at chctoday.com. Take your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 13. As you're turning, I want to encourage you, if you've never been water baptized since you followed the Lord, please, next Sunday morning in this service, we'll be doing a water baptismal. So if you've never been water baptized, take that next step and follow the Lord in His uh, example to us and command to us to be baptized in water. Stop by guest services. They have a form you can fill out, and we'll be in contact with you this week about those details. Also, next Saturday morning from 8 to 2, right out on Main Street will be the Indoor Benevolence Flea Market. If you still need a table, see Miss Maggie out there on Main Street. She'll hook you up. If you have items to donate, talk to her as well. If you want to volunteer, talk to her as well. That's next Saturday. From 8 to 2, all the proceeds go to our benevolence department. Luke chapter 13, I want to talk to you a few minutes this morning about being bent out of shape. Bent out of shape. It's an interesting topic, isn't it? Not really one I ever thought I'd preach about, but it's probably pretty relevant today. Kind of reminds me of uh, uh, Frank and Mabel. They'd been married for 30 years and Frank turned 60, and they did a big birthday party for him. A few months later, Mabel turned 60. They did a big birthday party for her. And during Mabel's birthday party, Frank walked into the kitchen, and lo and behold, there's a genie in the kitchen. I don't believe this. It's just a story, all right? There's a genie in the kitchen. And the genie said, Frank, this is your lucky day. You're allowed one wish. And Frank said, I wish my wife was 30 years younger than me. She said, no problem, waved her wand, and immediately, Frank was 90 years old. Not exactly what he had in mind. Maybe just a bit bent out of shape, don't you think? Kind of reminds me, any uh, Georgia Tech fans here, I've got to qualify my audience before I move on. Oh, there's one, okay, would you put your fingers in your ear, okay? You just don't hear this. Reminds me of the Florida State fan, he was about this tall and this big, you know. Walked into a restaurant, there was only one seat left, three guys at the table, and so he walked up and said, do you all mind if I join you? They said, no, sit down. Very hospitable, as we are in the South. He said, after a few minutes, you all want to hear a good Georgia Tech joke? The guy to his left said, now you need to realize I'm 6'2 and 200 pounds, and I'm a Georgia Tech fan. He said, that guy across the table, he's 6'3 and 220 pounds, and he's a Georgia Tech graduate. The guy next to him is 6'5 and 250, and he's a Georgia Tech graduate. Are you sure you want to tell a Georgia Tech joke? The guy looked at him and said, no, I don't want to explain it three times. Just a bit bent out of shape. Bent out of shape. I grew up with a guy in western Oklahoma that that was his favorite expression, bent out of shape. If someone got crossways with him, he'd just say they're all bent out of shape. But the thing I noticed is that he was probably bent out of shape more than anybody else in our circle of influence. So when we look at the scripture this morning, we're going to look at two people who were bent out of shape. One of those individuals was bent out of shape spiritually. The other was bent out of shape by legalism and bitterness and bound by religion. One was bent out of shape by a spirit of weakness. The other by a spirit of religion. So look with me to Luke chapter 13, pardon me, verses 10 through 11. Now I was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could no way raise herself. Catch that. This lady was coming to church every time the synagogue was open. 
But the Bible says that for 18 years, she had suffered with the spirit of infirmity. She was bent over. She was like this, always looking at her shoes, always seeing only her toes and the ground in front of her. It was an effort just to raise her head and attempt to make eye contact. She was in a very dire physical position. She was bent over, crippled by a spirit of weakness. Look on in verses 12 and 13. It says, but when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to the woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now catch this with me. Eighteen years this lady had been, been bent over. Eighteen years she had suffered from a spirit of infirmity. When you look at this text in the Greek, Luke, who was a physician, by the way, and the author of this epistle, uses a word that does not mean disease. It does not mean injury. It does not mean illness. It means weakness. She was oppressed by a spirit of weakness. And her weakness, according to the scripture, was caused by an evil spirit. We need to understand in the scripture there are 26 miracles of healing recorded at the hand of Jesus Christ. But only seven of those are attributed to a demonic source or cause. So hear me when I say this. Every sickness is not the result of demonic activity. Don't even go down that road. Don't even think that. I get so sick and tired of people casting out devils where devils are not. Come on. Sickness is the direct result of our fall and of sin. But it's not always the result of demonic activity. However, in this case, this woman was oppressed by a spirit of weakness. She was not demon-possessed. I want you to understand that. If you'll read the Gospels and see when Jesus cast out demons, it's a vastly different story. It was always one of direct confrontation. It could get ugly and it could get messy when demons were cast out of individuals. Matter of fact, when you read the Gospels, not once when Jesus cast out a demon, did he ever touch the person or even speak to the person. He spoke to the spirit that he was commanding to leave. And that was the power that's in his name. Think about the demonic of the Gadarenes that was possessed by so many demons that when Jesus saw him, he spoke to those demons, commanded them to go into the swine, and they all ran off the cliff and fell into the lake. They did a swine dive, I guess you could say. Bad joke, right? Maybe they committed suicide. If you're from Arkansas, you understand that. But this wasn't the case with this lady. The case with this lady is that she was oppressed by a lying spirit that had convinced her for 18 years she could not stand straight. She was bent over with this weakness, with this infirmity. Listen, the enemy always tries to build strongholds in our mind. That's why Paul said it this way in Ephesians 4, 27, don't give the devil a foothold. In other words, keep the door shut. Don't let him in. Don't entertain his lies. Because if you give him a foothold, he'll take a mile. Or maybe a better way of saying it is if you give him a foothold, he'll take your smile. He'll rob you of your joy. He'll rob you of your peace. He'll rob you of your, your presence of God in your life. Don't give the devil a foothold. See, because when he comes in, he's going to convince you, hey, you've been this way for 18 years. It doesn't matter who says what, you still can't stand up. You can't do that. I've came to tell you this morning that more than anything, Jesus wants to take your can'ts and turn them into can by the power of Jesus Christ. 
He wants to take everything that you have been told, everything that has been said over your life that you can't do this and you can't do that and you'll never be well and you're going to die of disease that's in your body. He wants to take all of that and turn it around and set you free today. He is the God who is able to reverse those things. Don't give the enemy any foothold. You say, well, I don't have a spirit of infirmity. I'm not bowed over for 18 years. Let me say to the alcoholic, you don't have to be an alcoholic anymore. There's power in Jesus' name. We need to stop confessing some things and begin confessing the right thing. And that's I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. His power has liberated me and set me free. I'm not the man. I'm not the woman I once was because Jesus came into my life. It's time to say that bitterness, that unforgiveness. You say, I just can't let it go. I can't forgive. Yes, you can. If you will allow him to come into your life and prove his power to you, you don't have to live that way any longer. Kind of reminds me of the story of the elephant. Have you ever noticed that if you go to the circus, the elephant is tied to a wooden stake that's drove in the ground maybe a foot or two? But it holds him. He never moves. Chained to his, to his foot and the chain to the stake and the elephant just never moves. You know why that is? Because when that elephant was a baby, he was chained to a huge metal stake driven feet into the ground. And every time he pulled against it, he felt the pain on his leg. So that he learned over time, it doesn't matter how much I pull against that stake. It's not going to give. It's not going to move. I have to stay here. So when he's a a grown adult elephant weighing tens of thousands of pounds, he could easily snap that stake or pull it out of the ground. But because in his mind, when he was taught as a little bitty elephant, that he couldn't move it, it stays with him. Oh, listen, somebody needs to hear this. You've been taught some stuff that just isn't right. You've been told some stuff that just isn't true. You need to stand up today and hear the word of God and know and understand that Jesus came to set you free. You are not a loser. You are not broken. You are not used up. You are not passed over. Oh, somebody get with me this morning. Hear it today. When he comes in, he sees you and he speaks to you. And he takes your can'ts and he makes them can through the power of Jesus Christ. Some things bind us. Some things really bend us out of shape. When in reality, they have no power at all if we simply follow Paul's advice and resist the devil and don't give him a foothold in our lives. Jesus said to her, woman, you're free. Look at it in verses 12 and 13. Jesus saw her. He saw her. And then he called to her. And then he said to her, woman, you're loosed from your infirmity. Now, you would think that word would be enough, wouldn't you? He said to her, you're loose from your infirmity. But that didn't do it. She was still bent over. She was still looking at the ground. His word was powerful, but she didn't receive it. She needed something else. And then when you read that scripture, it goes on to say, he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Some in this room need to be touched by the Father today. You need to be touched by Jesus today. You need to understand if you will simply hear his voice because he's calling you, he's telling you, you don't have to leave like you came into this place. You can leave changed by my power. If you'll respond to him right where you sat, he will touch you and set you free. When he touched her, the word said immediately, she was made straight and glorified God. 
It wasn't three days later. It wasn't three years later. It wasn't three lifetimes later, but immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Oh, hear me today. We need to understand that that's what Jesus Christ is all about. He's about bringing his power into life so that he touches us and straightens us out so we can praise God. I think about that little lady and I have to wonder, maybe she was just singing, love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Oh, come on, folks, understand. When he touches you, something changes. He'd already spoke the word, but she was still bent over. But when he reached out and touched her, she straightened up. She received the gift that God had brought to her through his son, Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, what burdens have you bent out of shape today? Is it worry? Is it anxiety? Is it pain because of an illness or a disease? Is it a wounded spirit, a broken relationship? Is it because someone hurt you in a church at some time? Whatever it is, the good news is he's calling to you. And the good news is he longs to touch you and set you free from that weakness so that you can stand and give glory to him. He sees you no matter what you're dealing with. No matter what you're carrying, he sees you. He calls out to you and me. And he tells us, I've got an answer for you. And then he speaks to us. And he says, you are healed in Jesus' name. And when he touches us, that power flows through his life. He gives us power to straighten up. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that it's not a one-time thing? But every time I find myself down and discouraged and depressed, I can reach out to the maker of the universe and he will touch me one more time and give me the power to straighten back up and give him praise and to give him glory. He gives the power to straighten up. But you know that day in Luke 13, this crippled woman isn't the only cripple that went to church. You can read it with me because it tells us about the guy who was the leader of the synagogue who was really bent out of shape. Read it with me, verses 14 through 17. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus is healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, I love this, there are six days on which men ought to work, therefore come and be healed on them, not on the Sabbath. Is that ludicrous? Is that crazy? Is that so far out there your mind can't even comprehend someone thinking that way? If it is, you haven't been around church folks very long. Because that's what religion does to you. Religion ties you in knots. Religion bends you out of shape. Religion makes you more concerned about the rules and the rituals and the regulations than about the power of Jesus Christ. Oh, come on, there is no room in the church for legalists. Don't you give me your list of do's and don'ts. I'm going to tell you about the grace of Jesus Christ that set me free from legalism and allows me to live in freedom and liberty with Jesus flowing through my veins. We need to understand Jesus Christ came even to help those who are bent out of shape by religion. Then the Lord answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath Loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water. So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? 
And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. All the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. I like the way it reads from the message. This is what it says. Jesus shot back, you frauds. Every Sabbath, every one of you regularly entices your cow or donkey from a stall, leads it out to water and thinks nothing of it. So why isn't it right for me to untie this daughter of Abraham? Why isn't it right for me to untie this daughter of Abraham and lead her from the stall where Satan has had her tied these 18 years? Then look at the next verse. It says, when he put it this way, his critics were left looking quite silly and red-faced. I like that. Eugene Peterson drives right to the core. You see, when you are standing on ritual and and rules and regulations, God is going to show you you are quite silly and leave you embarrassed and ashamed. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't about to-dos and to-don'ts. The gospel of Jesus Christ is about bringing liberty to the heart and life of men and women. Bringing chains and setting people free and breaking chains over our life. Look at it. It's interesting that the leader of the synagogue even quoted some scripture to prove his point. He used the word to try to prove his point. It's one thing to quote it. It's a whole nother to apply it. Can you say amen? It's a whole nother to apply it. He was saying, hey, Jesus, that's not on the service order for today. Hey, that's not what we planned for this service. Don't let this thing get out of control. When I first came here and we started praying that the gifts of the Spirit would be operating in Christian Heritage Church, someone said to me, you need to be careful or you're going to start a wildfire. I said, don't worry about it. There's plenty of cold water to put it out. Let's just let God do what he wants. Come on, we need to understand there's always somebody with their, we don't do it that way in this place. We don't accept that in this place. Jesus said, you fraud, you even let your ox and your donkey go get water on the Sabbath, but you want this lady to stay bound because of the day of the week. Oh, somebody get that in your spirit. He's wanting to break some chains off of you this morning. He's wanting you to leave this place recognizing that just because you were taught something doesn't mean it aligns with the word of God. And if it doesn't align with the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ, you need to break it off your life. Get rid of that ritual and tradition that has held you bound. You see, religion inverts our priorities. Now watch this. Religion tells us that the way we do things, what we have, what we possess, even animals are more important than people. That's what religion tells us. Oh my goodness, if we would spend half as much time, money, effort, and energy trying to reach the lost as we do save the whales, the world would be a different place. Come on. If we'd spend half as much time, effort, and energy trying to reach the lost as we do pumping money. I'm going to offend someone. I know that. You need to understand I grew up on a farm. I have a whole different view of animals than most of you do. If we would spend the time, effort, energy, and money trying to reach the lost as we do trying to save puppies and baby cats, the world would be a whole different place. You can say amen or oh me. I really don't care which. I know I offended you. Please forgive me, but get over it. Come on. The truth will set you free. Religion inverts our priorities. Religion says these things, my possessions, the way we do things is more important than that woman that is bound for 18 years. I've come to tell you, 
when we align with Jesus' priority, all we're interested is seeing his power move through us, his grace be displayed, his greatness be on open display for everyone to see when he touches and delivers and heals. Oh, someone pray with me for God to do that again. You see, the religious leaders had found every loophole in the law. Every loophole. It wasn't that they were obeying it all. They had found ways to circumvent what they didn't like, so they were still righteous in their own eyes. Matter of fact, the Pharisees, there were 365 things they had to do. God help me. That wears me out just thinking about it. And there were 243 things they could not do. A list of rules and regulations. A list of what pleased God in their sight and what grieved God in their sight. Let me boil this down, all right? You know what pleases God? Obedience will please God. Obedience pleases God. A tender and a contrite heart pleases God. Humility pleases God. You know what causes God to be put off and grieved? Our pride, our arrogance, our way, refusing to allow him to break us and cause us to be the people he actually created us to be. Oh, God, would you one more time show us you're more important than our rules and our regulations. More important. The leader of the synagogue thought it was all about religion. He was bent out of shape because Jesus dared heal a woman on the Sabbath. Listen to me. He was saying, if you're having fun in life, if you're experiencing the blessing of God, if you can smile, sing, and shout in the midst of your Christianity, something's wrong with you. That's what he was saying. Because what happened? When he touched her, she straightened up and she glorified God. I don't know what she said, but I guarantee you her mouth was open and she was giving praise to Jehovah. She was recognizing that he was well able and had met her need in that place. There's some folks in the church that if you come in with a smile, what you been up to? <laughs> if you're happy, what's the matter with you? If you dare to dance and be expressive in worship, we don't do that stuff around here. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? It's time to allow ourselves to be straightened up by the presence of Jesus Christ. Let religion fall aside and let God do what he wants to do in us and through us. Religion is always ready to condemn anyone who celebrates the power and the presence of God. You can read it in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 6, verses 12 through 22. I'm not reading the whole story, but I'll tell it to you. David had went to bring the ark of God into Jerusalem. And the Bible says he was dancing. Read it from a new version. It says he was twirling and whirling before the Lord. He was ecstatic. He was happy. The presence of God was represented by that ark, and he was thrilled with what was happening. The Bible says his wife, Saul's daughter, Michael, saw him from a window. And you can read it. It says these words. It says she despised him in her heart. A newer translation says her heart was filled with scorn towards him. Why? Because he was expressing himself in the presence of God. He was rejoicing in the power of God. He was celebrating the promise of God. And she despised him. Oh, come on, I'm coming right down where you live this morning. You may be one of those who sat in the back like this 
We just don't need that kind of stuff around here. That just ain't necessary. We never seen that in church before. We don't need to see it now. Oh, can I tell you, it's time to get over yourself. Get over your rules. Get over your restrictions and regulations. And let's let God do what God wants to do. Say, well, things will get out of control. I already told you, don't worry about it. Every church has a cold water committee. It's my job to warm them up. It's your job to ignore them. Say amen. 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 We need to understand that there is a difference between our traditions and traditionalism. Tradition is a great thing we build our faith on. When Joshua and the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River, God said to him, take 12 stones, one for each tribe, out of the bottom of that river and on the opposite bank, build a memorial so you can say to my people in the generations to come, look what God has done. That's what traditions do. They cause us to remember. Traditionalism stinks. Traditionalism is man's rules, man's regulations, man's idea, man's religion. We don't need any of that. See, God's laws are never meant to restrict, but to liberate. So many people today in this society are all twisted about tithing. Do I have to tithe? You can do what you want to do. Someone said to me not too long ago, well, I'm just not going to tithe if you keep acting like that and preaching like that. That's not my problem. That's between you and God, and I don't want to be in your shoes. Come on. You see, the, the rules and the regulations, the laws of God are not meant to restrict but to liberate. Because when we tithe, we unleash the presence of God. We unleash the promise of God that he will meet every need represented in our life. We find ourselves in the place where the windows of heaven are open and he pours bread out to us each and every day when we choose to honor his word. Don't restrict. They liberate. Matter of fact, Paul said it this way in Galatians 3.24, the law was our tutor that brings us to Christ. The law was our tutor, our teacher, that makes us aware of our need for a Savior is another way of saying that verse. So I thank God for the law because it showed me I was a sinner, I needed a Savior, and I would never make it on my own. The law of God is never intended to restrict but to always liberate. Max Lucado said it this way, legalism has no pity on people. Legalism makes my opinion your burden. My opinion, your boundary. My opinion, your obligation. Can I challenge you today to allow God to straighten you out? To cast that stuff off and be stood up in Jesus' name and worship and glorify Him. Anytime we are bound by rules and regulations rather than led by the Spirit of God, we are Christians who are destined to be mature for the rest of our lives. We will never grow to be what God wants us to be. When my kids were small, uh, Mindy and Chris were the oldest two, and they got bikes with training wheels when they're three and four years old or four and five, something like that. I don't remember. It's been too long ago. Anyway, they got bikes with training wheels. And I remember the day when Mindy, who's the oldest, said to me, she was probably five, Dad, I want you to take those training wheels off and teach me to ride on two wheels. So I did. I took them off, and we went up and down the sidewalk probably a million times with me holding onto the bike, running with her, until she figured out how to balance and ride that bike on two wheels. Her brother, the same day when he saw her riding on two wheels, said, Take mine off too. 
I said, you may be a little young, Chris. Take mine off too. He was not going to be outdone by his older sister. So I took the training wheels off. And we went up and down the sidewalk. Me holding onto a seat, running with him, up and down the sidewalk until he figured out how to balance on those two wheels and could ride the bike. Now, does that mean they never had another wreck or an accident? Absolutely not. There were scraped knees and elbows. There were tears, but they knew how to ride a bike. What's the point? The point is, if you don't get past religious rules, restrictions, and regulations, you're going to be on trailing wheels as a Christian the rest of your life. You got to learn to balance your life in the Word of God and balance your life in the Holy Spirit and balance your life so that you can grow and become what God wants you to be. Those kids are 35 and 33. My son now does triathlons. We went to one a few years ago. I saw him coming in on that bicycle. And I thought, I remember the day when you had training wheels. I remember the day when you couldn't do what you're doing now. But I'm telling you, that racing bike he was on, it didn't have any training wheels. He was balanced on those little old bitty skinny tires, and he was running to win. Oh, hear what I'm saying. It's time to take off the training wheels, to take off the rules, the regulations, the restrictions that have kept you immature and learn to balance your life on the Word of God and the Holy Ghost. And let Him move through you so you can grow and develop to the point that you will do great things for the kingdom of God. Don't live your life bent out of shape. Live your life straightened by the touch of Jesus Christ. Someone said to Jesus, actually it was a lawyer that said to Jesus, what are the, what's the greatest commandment? And you can read it, it's in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus said the greatest commandment, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Listen, friend, if you're bound by rules and restrictions and regulations, you're not fulfilling this commandment. I can't say it any clearer than that. You're tied up with something you don't need to be tied up with. You're bound by something you don't need to be bound by. He has come today to set you free. He's come today. And he said in the second, it's like unto it. You'll love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two, this is what I wanted you to hear. On these two, hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, this is the bedrock. You love God with everything you got within you. You love your neighbor as yourself and quit worrying about the rest. Because he's going to take care of it. He's going to teach you to balance your life so that He can be honored and glorified, so that He can do great and mighty things in you and through you. Jesus said it in John chapter 8, verse 32, you're going to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. That word bent can also be used as an adverb, not just as a verb, and it can mean to have a strong inclination or disposition. Well, I'm here to tell you, I don't want to be bent one way. And that's toward the kingdom of God. I only want to be bent one way. And that's toward the grace of Jesus Christ. I only want to have a strong inclination or disposition toward the word of God and the will of God and the power of God flowing in and through my life. And I don't care much for anything else. Isn't it time we say, I'm going to know the truth and the truth is going to set me free.
I've been bent, I've been bent out of shape by circumstances in life. I've been bent out of shape by failures, wrong choices and decisions. I've been bent out of shape by sickness and disease. But today, it all stops. Because I hear the master calling me. And the master's going to touch me. And when he touches me, I'm going to straighten up and glorify God. Stand your feet with me across this place this morning. It's time to recognize he's here. Paul said it in Romans 14, 17, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So what I want you to realize today is that it's not rules and regulations. It's about you and I knowing and understanding that God is able to straighten us up so that we can give glory to Him. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed across this room this morning. You're here today. You've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Or at some point way back down the line in your life, you did. But you're not living for Him today. And you know it. He knows it. Your family knows it. Today it's time to change that. Because He has came to straighten you up. That's you. You need Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You need to ask Him to forgive you of your sins, to change your life. Right where you stand, would you simply lift up your hand and say, pray for me. That's me, preacher. Yes, someone else. Pray for me. Yes, someone else. Pray for me. Someone else. As I wait just a moment, just slip your hand up. Yes, I see it. Someone else. You'll join these three that have raised their hands. Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. I want to take the training wheels off and I want to live for him. Anyone else? As I wait just a moment, you'll join these three who slipped up their hand. Yes, I see you back there. Anyone else? Every one of you who lifted your hands, you only lift your heads and look directly at me. There's no one else looking around, just you. Those of you who lifted your hands, I want to ask you to do something very courageous this morning. The Word says that we need to confess Him. So I'm going to ask you to step out from where you're standing right now and come and meet me here. I'm going to pray with you right here in this altar. And God's going to do that work in your life. Don't be the last, be the first. Step out right now and come. Let Him do that work in your life. Come on, church, welcome them as they come this morning. Come on, come on. Don't wait for anybody else. Come on. We're going to pray together. God's going to do this work in your heart and in your life today. Come on. You raised your hand. Come. Anyone else? There's several others. Step out and come. Let's pray together. Thank you for your courage, young lady. Would you pray with me? Pray right where you stand. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I confess you as my Savior. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to change my life. I ask you to stand me up straight today. Break off the rules, the regulations, the restrictions. Make me a man of God or a woman of God. By the power of Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you for listening to audio from Christian Heritage Church located in Tallahassee, Florida. Feel free to give copies of this message to others, but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Christian Heritage Church, please visit us online at chctoday.com.